and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'm your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, creative processes and likes and dislikes. This time I'm talking to Rach Stewart about her amazing landscape images. Rach is a New Zealand professional photographer based in Mount Manganui on the North Island. Her passion to be with nature along with a love of fun, adventure and exploring is what characterises Rachel's landscape photography and forever fuels her to seek out and find beauty created by the natural world. Through this passion, she's amassed a huge following on Instagram and Facebook and her New Zealand photography images have been published worldwide, including magazines such as National Geographic, National Geographic Travel, The Daily Mail, plus many more. Rach has been awarded silver and bronze medals in the prestigious International Epson Pano Awards, and her pictures can be seen in many client campaigns, including Air New Zealand, American Express, and Canon New Zealand. Inspired by landscapes and with a love to travel to new places, Rach enjoys exploring the unknown and finding the all-important element that connect humans with nature. We talk about her use of long exposure photography, how she's developed her style, her love of surfing at the beach and spending her summers in the ocean, along with a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, Rach. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How's your day been? Yeah, really good. Yeah, it's been nice and sunny, so can't complain at all. Whereabouts uh, in New Zealand are you? Um, So I'm in Papamoa, so I'm in the North Island and I live um, pretty close to the beach. So yeah, I'm a beach girl. Excellent. So why don't we start with how you got started in photography? What's your, what, what, what was your first step and foray into photography? Okay, so um, I, I had um, a job where I was um, design, a publishing designer mm-hmm. and I left that to have my first baby. And after that, I couldn't go back to the same job. So I was kind of left with this bit of a creative hole and in me and um at night times I would have a rest from the baby and go for a walk down the beach and I started taking photos on my iPhone 4 which is like that wasn't even a good one it was just the plain iPhone 4 um and yeah I started kind of just taking snaps at sunset and really liked you know taking photos of the birds and um little plants and yeah really nice light and colors and really liked that and it basically stemmed from there and after that I um went on one of the sites here it's called trade me and you can buy secondhand stuff and yeah I bought a Canon 650d so kind of a real entry model um yeah and just it just flourished from there I kind of learned to use it in manual I just started straight away in manual and nice wow yeah <laughs> yeah no, no auto. <laughs> so no auto no I, I guess talk talk to me a bit about how you learned and what what you yeah. did to educate yourself because you know taking that step into manual for some people can be quite daunting so what what, yeah. what did you do to equip yourself with what you needed to know? Um, so I it pretty much YouTubed everything. So I was like 
tapping away or googling how what settings do I need for sunset like that was pretty much it <laughs> and then I like would find a blog and it would say oh you need ISO 100 and like f11 and yep, yep. you know a slower shutter speed so I basically was just getting settings for each time of the day nice. and um and then watching YouTube tutorials and um yeah and then as the more I went out there so I was like pretty much doing this every day to try yeah, and yeah. teach myself how to take a photo and um going down the beach every night and just yeah getting out and practicing like non-stop and it somehow clicked like ISO and F11 and the shutter speed and it all kind of matched and as I experimented more um I really kind of got the hang of it but yeah YouTube was I mean even when I went to take a first night shot I was still YouTubing what yeah. is the settings for <laughs> night photography how, how to do how to do night photography <laughs> totally yeah yeah cool yeah I, I mean to be honest a lot of people learn that way and uh the the number of resources that are out there now is, is absolutely phenomenal I mean when I when I kind of started, I, I back in the film days, you know, with yeah, when dinosaurs yeah, roamed the earth, um, <laughs> you know, there was there was no YouTube, there was no Google. You had to sort of you had to find somebody that could actually or or read books yeah. and um, to to try and do that. So yeah, it was uh, a, a revelation when digital came along and uh, all of these resources started to spring up, and you could go, oh, so. I know a lot of people get back into film now, but I'm, I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've been there. Been there, done been that. Been there, done that, yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about what motivates you to create. And I guess, you know, where, where I'm going with this is how you moved from, you know, taking those shots and why, the, uh, I guess, the why around where you moved into actually creating it as art as opposed to, Here's a, here's a nice sun shot, uh, sunset shot. Well, um, I was really interested in long exposure photography. So once I'd kind of mastered, I mean, I was always interested in the colours in the sky. So it was sunrise and sunset. It was always those times. And then, you know, when you're out at, in the darker hours, you long exposure anyway to yep. try and get your exposure right. So um yeah I was really interested in that and um back in the day it was Sarah Hatton she was doing a lot of long exposure stuff and she was a real inspiration so I wanted to try it myself yeah right. and that's when that creative kind of thing came into it is because you're not just taking a photo you're actually creating something um, waiting for it to come on the back screen. What does it look like? How can I change it? Change my shutter speed to make the clouds more streaky, the water soft. Yeah, it was like that's when the real creative side came to it. So um, that for me was quite fulfilling to do that. Um, and it's kind of, it's funny that I still do that, but. Yep. I've more gone back to 
your traditional shooting as well and like just leaving the clouds as they are and yeah, yeah, yeah. but in the in the beginning um that extra creative element to the landscape photography was really important yeah to fill that kind of need that i had yeah and okay. then and then the, yeah and then the editing of that because long exposure kind of that dreamy sort of feel um mm. i would want to be editing it in that dreamy kind of way so yeah, yeah. yeah that that's where i kind of started <laughs> cool so in I guess moving to where you're at now, what uh, what what sort of things are motivating you and inspiring you at the moment? Um, probably at the moment, um, I'm really searching for new scenes mm -hmm. and those untouched places, and maybe the places that aren't so popular, and sure. um, and really looking for that kind of ethereal light, you know, those conditions where it's like, I mean, nature, <laughs> nature dictates what happens there. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess now I'm motivated by what nature can produce and me getting something different. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so you're looking, looking of, for a, a unique shot or something that's just more a, a distinctive? Um, yeah. You know, but recognisable um, within a genre. Yeah, um, I guess I want, I, I'm looking for a shot that you haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, uh, I mean, it is hard because in New Zealand in the mountains, you, um, you either have to hike for days and days to get to somewhere new or you need yeah. a helicopter to get, to get in. And um, yeah, but I've got, a few ideas so i guess i'm kind of i still love all the places that you see you know and all the photos and um i mean you can still get amazing photos and conditions at all those popular spots but i'm kind of looking for something a bit different now yeah. cool so in terms of creating that unique uh image you know i'm not not asking for your secret spots or anything that, that or the ones <laughs> that you haven't got that you're planning to go to but what is it that you're looking for i guess within those scenes is it a, a unique composition or is it you know particular light in a in a in a place you've been to before or yeah well um kind of lately i really like um the moody kind of beam, the conditions that create beams, the sunbeams, and um, that kind of magical vibe with sure. uh, God beams coming from the sky, and you know, not asking for much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, and also, I guess I love the mountains, and I always love to have water in my photos, some yeah. sort of element of water. So, yeah, there are a lot of spots in the Southern Alps where there are lakes and mountains and um, it's just trying to get to them and yeah, yeah trying yeah. to get well, to those. Well, for choice, I guess, in, in New Zealand. I mean, we, we yeah. don't have the, the mountainscapes that you guys do, but you know, we, we do all right with our beaches and water, but. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. No. 
So I guess talking about that, what's what's your local area like for shooting? Is it somewhere where you go or do you plan to sort of go on these longer treks more often than not? Um, yeah, so I live um, by the beach. So the beach where I started taking photos, so like 16-kilometre uh, white sandy beach, um, really beautiful. Um, but um, I guess because I have a family and stuff, it, it's hard for me to get out and shoot here because I'm with them and yep. I just like to kind of relax when I'm at home or I'm doing the admin kind of kind of thing. So, oh, yeah, sure. I definitely plan to visit different places around and um, I should shoot here more because it is beautiful, but <laughs> it's always the way. Eh? So how much, how much planning goes into a trip? Um, for the big personal trips, um, Oh, definitely like a couple of months of like trying to organise things and find new spots to go and, um, yeah, and I usually do a couple of those a year here in New Zealand. Um, and then pr prior to COVID, I was trying to get away like sort of once or twice a year overseas and those trips take a lot more, as you probably know, yeah. a lot more um, organising to do. But yeah, I um I definitely try and have a little look online and on Google Earth and see if I can find anything different and um go try and go and find it. Yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of that planning, does that sort of incorporate going into the field with a with a concept of what you what you're thinking of shooting, or do you tend to let the concept come to you once you actually land in your in your location you know um well yeah no I always go in kind of thinking of a concept or a shot but I always come out with something different yeah like right. always so it's kind of going in there maybe knowing what I want to get um and then either the weather you know dictating what I do get or it you know, you only see a certain amount on a picture or yeah. Google Earth. Like you can't tell what's there. And yep. so I always end up going somewhere and getting something new or different, which is super cool. Yeah. How, how would you describe uh, what it is that you're trying to communicate, I guess, with your photography? Um, well, a lot of my photography always had a person in it whether it was me or someone else. And I guess I've always just wanted to make that connection between humans and nature. And I want people to look at my photos and want to be there or mm. imagine themselves there um, or, you know, just connect through a memory or, or something. Yeah. So and having, trying to edit in a sort of dreamy-ish way, yeah, I just, I guess I want people to be able to escape the real world for a minute. <laughs> yeah. so is, is, is that kind of where it all started? Is, is it that escapism, I guess, that you were really searching for initially? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, being able to create in the first place, 
Mm. And then being able to show off nature, what it's created, how lucky we are to have it. Yeah. Um, yeah, to, I mean, everyone's got so much stuff on these days, you know, Absolutely. it's just this, yeah, it's the world. So I think we all need to kind of try and escape somehow. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm out a bit of escapism. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess talking about that, um, you obviously uh, weren't able to go back into the workforce with that job. How did you, was that part of where you decided to go full-time photography or was that something that came a bit later and you sort of just uh, evolved into it? Um, no, that came a bit later. So I was still part-time. Um, and then, um, yeah, just my Instagram kind of took off. Like um, yep. we're talking 2015. So back then, the gram was a bit different. Um, there was no algorithm. You saw it all chronologically. Um, or orientated towards stills photography. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We were still a thing back yeah. then. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, and a lot of my photos from the South Island went really viral um, mm. because they weren't, so, I mean, the Wanaka tree was was known but it wasn't yeah. what it is today kind of thing so um yeah so this whole instagram thing started and i just yeah kind of blew up and that's all really really where it began for me and i just kind of rolled with it so i just went along with whatever was happening and then little jobs started coming in and yep. yeah and i grew it from there i created a website and um yeah, um, it's all a blur <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I'm well, still I'm, here just rolling with it. Fair enough. I'm, I'm going to try and, and, and pick it apart a little bit if you don't mind. I, I'm yeah, yeah. having a look on your website and I'm, I'm looking, you know, you've got tourism work, you've got workshops, you've got, you know, uh, half a dozen different things that you're offering yeah. aside from just, you know, the, the, the standard, here's, here's my prints for sale, et cetera. How do, yeah. how do you how do you manage your time now and how do you how do you, because you mentioned you know you've got to set aside time to do the admin etc but I mean yeah it, it must be a fairly busy schedule now that you've got you know some of that other work coming in how do you yeah. sort of I, I guess structure your day and how, how you how you manage it all um it's such a good question um uh, I guess like I have the print, I have my print store. And so those things I like to get sorted straight away. So, um, you know, I always kind of check my emails and see what's there. And then, um, yeah, I guess I structure it from there. Um, I just come back from a tourism job and um, kind of on a deadline so it's it's whether there's a deadline in place or not yeah, right. um, and I've been up since you know till 1am kind of thing trying to edit all those photos and get them through and it's not always like that though but I seem to just and then there's Twitter as well which has become like quite a big part of my I guess work now so yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I have a structure I, I guess I do but 
<laughs> yeah, it's basically all based on emails and like trying to like categorize them and who came first and sure. yeah. The, yeah, I don't have like a huge amount of like big, big tourism jobs, um, but I have, I still work for a couple of companies on for Instagram stuff and yeah, right. um, yeah, it's just kind of making sure I meet those deadlines. Hmm. So yeah. are, the, are the deadlines the biggest difference between your, your personal planning or your planning for personal trips versus the, the trips you might do for a, a tourism or a Instagram job? Yeah, um, yeah, like the two are completely different. Um, but I, I make sure, like I set aside the time for the personal trips and then um, obviously I still check my emails and stuff, but, oh. yeah, that, that's solely for getting new content for my portfolio and um, they are way different, those trips. They're like, yeah, they're just for me kind of thing. Yeah. So pretty enjoyable. But, um, yeah, the other other things are, a little bit more stressful because you know you you have to get what the client wants and it's not always going to be pink skies and loveliness it's you know you got to go with the weather and try your best kind of thing yeah. they'll, they'll want sunny skies and they'll schedule you in the middle of winter when it's raining <laughs> yeah totally yeah because yeah. that's the timing for the campaign that they want to run in spring for summer <laughs> Exactly. Or they're like, oh, we want this photo. And I'm like, well, I hiked three days to get that photo. And it's like, yeah, it's not on the side of the road. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it can be a bit challenging. <laughs> so in terms of that blur, as you call it, you know, how did that sort of take shape as a decision to make the lifestyle choice to say, okay, well, there's enough of this now to actually make a, a living out of and I'm I'm going to, you know, forget about any other kinds of work. This is what I want to do and and go with that. You know, obviously there's the passion there for, for photography, but, you know, there's obviously financial aspects around that that if you're not getting the work, you can't afford yeah. photography. So how, how did you... How did you sort of come to that decision and say, okay, well, this is this is where I want to be now? I guess for like two years. I mean, I always wanted to just go full time, but I was, you know, I can do it, but what if it stops? Like, you know, like there's yep. always that taking that big leap. Yeah. And um things just perfect progressively got better and better for me. And um I just it was too stressful to have the two things. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, when one was outweighing the other by quite a lot, it was just, yeah, it's just time to make that choice to yeah. leave somewhere where you've been comfortable for years and years and years and pays the mortgage. And, um, yeah, it was just taking that big leap. But, but you know, you just have to do it, kind of thing. So yeah, got to pull the bandage off and just go with it. Yeah, and then you know that can have the extra time now to like market and do all the things that you kind of couldn't do because you were yeah. doing something else. Yeah. 
So in terms of the that marketing side, I mean, for, for a lot of people that go into this, they they don't realise that they've got to be their own website manager, their own marketing <laughs> person, their own, you know, uh, sales. Sometimes if you're doing your own printing, for example, you've got to be your own printer. <laughs> and so Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do, you, how do you wear all the hats? Oh, just, I think. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just... I guess um, it's just important to try and, um, you know, there's so many algorithms out there. You've got to keep, like, there's Google algorithm and there's an Instagram algorithm and there's a Twitter algorithm and there's, like, all these things and you've just got to keep on trucking through. Um, Even if you feel like, you know, it's not worth it or you're not getting seen or whatever, it's... I mean, it, yeah, it seems you just have to do it. That's just yeah. the way it is these days. So, well, you, um, I mean, you can pay someone else to do some of those things, but then. Well, yeah, yeah, you, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, I mean, I would say it's like at least 50% of my time wow. is yeah. doing the Twitter and doing, making sure I've got new content for Instagram and writing blogs and, um, yeah, getting new material out there. Yeah, I w- it's it's a really important part of getting yourself seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the most important thing you think to, you know, for somebody that's starting out to think about in terms of marketing their personal brand? Oh, um. Yeah, I guess just like I said before, just um, just being seen and putting your best work out there. So, um, you know, make use of all the social media outlets that we have mm. out there. Um, make a website. Like a website is really important. And even if it's only got kind of... 10 of your photos you know um just have a landing page for for people to come and look at your best work and, and, and a way to um, contact you you know get put, put yeah in an email there, you know? yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah have all those links there so that people can see what you do and mm. um google can see what you're doing yeah like i don't know I mean, I'm sure people know how important Google is, but it really is important yeah. if you're running a business. How, how much time would you spend just on the, the SEO side of things, the search engine optimization? Um, well, I've got, I've got mine pretty much set up um, and I run a program that my partner showed me um, and that just gives you kind of stats on how you're doing, how yep. you're trending. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now. But um, something like that just to help you see what's going on. And then um, I did pay for someone to help me with my CEO, is, uh, CEO SEO as well. Yep. Um, and But then they just did a little bit and then my partner and I the rest and kind of really tried to get my website keywords and you know all that kind of thing um 
Yeah, and and then so keeping that going is writing new content and new photos and yeah, just trying to keep things fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one one of the things that a lot of people may not realize is that the, the the words that they put with some of their images actually helps with that sort of stuff and it's yeah you know it, it's important not just to and i mean i'm i'm i gotta say i'm pretty hopeless at doing it myself but because I, I i i struggle to write you know more than half a dozen <laughs> words for some of my shots <laughs> um, you know it's uh it, it is really important for people to to you know get their get their little story i guess for each of their shots on their website because you know yeah actually uses that to uh to help people find it yeah 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 it's pretty important so what about workshops um when when did you start getting into that and you know the the education side and helping people uh take better photos um, so we, um, so Dan Murray, Lee Cook and myself, we started Pure Photo Adventures in 2017 yep. and we had our first workshop in the summer of 2017. So it was when the lupins all came nice. out um, down in the South Island and um, yeah, and the three of us kind of, um, Instagram was starting to change a bit and um yeah like kind of a little bit of the passion was yeah dying a bit with the change of instagram and mm -hmm. we decided we just thought well we've got all this knowledge we we could maybe think about teaching people and sharing it and um showing off our country at the same time so yeah, yeah and we were all on the same page and um yeah, I don't know how we did that, but we did it, and we're still <laughs> still going. Yeah, yeah. So what, um, what what would somebody see if they signed up for a workshop? What what would they experience? Um, so we we're only in the South Island at the moment, and yep. we basically take you to um, a, quite a few of the well known spots. So like Araki Mount Cook National Park. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. There's so much to see in there. Um, the mountains in the Mackenzie area, um, Wanaka, Queenstown, Milford Sound. Um, but we have our own little places that we know of that are not so popular as well. Yeah. So we take people there and we have all sorts of people. We have um, from your beginners to... Um, people that just want to hang out with photographers who already are very good at what they do. Um, yeah, people just wanting to learn long exposures or wanting to learn more about astro, um, compositions. Yeah, we we get like a wide range of people. So it's been nice. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's the most important thing, I guess, in prepping for from a, a, a you know workshop per, uh, sorry what's the most important thing for running a workshop that you need to take care of because we've been doing this yeah for five years now and we've learned quite a bit from the first time we've done it we try and find out from everyone 
what they want to achieve out of the workshop yep. and getting to know the person and what they really want to gain is super important because then we know um you know what to focus on yeah right. and there's three of us so there's not a lot of workshops here in new zealand where you get three tutors yeah. and so um and we all have different skills so um if we've got a bunch of people that are wanting to focus on long exposures then i will probably focus on them and then astro like lee's very good at astrophotography dan is our composition king he's just like he's been doing this for 20 years kind of thing so he has all this knowledge and like so the three of us together um we basically just want people to come out of this having learned something and having taken some photos that they truly love which um has been the case yeah so yeah i guess yeah we just we just want to make people reach their goals no nice nice so how long how long is a normal workshop is it a you know three or four day exercise or do you do shorter periods um so we um we slowed down a bit with covid happening um but we we're doing a four-day workshop and a seven-day workshop and so so for autumn and winter we'd do one four day one seven day in the same in winter and then a spring a spring workshop which is a four-day one but this year we're just doing um one six-day workshop in winter because nice. um, our, our borders were closed and we just yeah, didn't it was know very, what was very going on. Yeah, it was very difficult to get into New Zealand for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're finally, finally, finally free. <laughs> yeah. How, how much has that changed your attitude towards uh, your photography, the, the, the lockdown and, you know, the pandemic in general? Um. Oh, it's been quite hard because we just want to, you know, you want to go and explore new mm-hmm. things. Yep. Um, and it, it really forced me to search within New Zealand, which was really cool. And um, I we've done some really great trips and got some beautiful photos. Um, but definitely wanting to get out overseas and um, see some new things. And yeah, yeah, it's I mean, we were very lucky to be trapped here, but it's time to get out now. Yeah, not a bad place to be trapped. <laughs> not a bad place to be trapped at all. <laughs> so where, where where's your, your first overseas destination? Um, so I'm actually taking my kids to Fiji. So we're gonna have a little just like just a break. Yeah. Oh, they've a been island in the Pacific. Yeah, oh. yeah. Just a real chill. Yeah. Um, but yeah my partner and i are going to go to europe so we're um later on in the year so nice. yeah. yeah we're going to um just go do a little bit of france and um, but mainly in switzerland so beautiful yeah yeah really looking forward to that so what uh what's still on your bucket list i guess overseas or in new zealand doesn't have to be overseas um uh, it's just got to be Patagonia because yeah. I just keep seeing it over and over again. And so um, you've, you've not been there. I've not been, and not, nor have I. 
yeah yeah no um so i yeah that would be a bit of a dream and i'd probably love to try and do that next year and in new zealand yeah there's some backcountry huts i really want to get to but i'm just not fit enough at the moment so (laughs) gotta work towards that one (laughs) you have a do you have a favorite spot that you keep coming back to Yes. Um, don't, don't tell me re- secrets if it is a secret. <laughs> eh? Oh, That's yeah. No, it's um, oh, it's got to be, oh, no, yeah, there's a few now. The Root Burn Track, the Root Burn Track which is one of our great walks, yeah. is so amazing. And um, I've not done a lot of the great walks, but that one I've been told is the most photogenic and I've done it twice and I, it's just absolutely mind blowing. So that would have to be a favorite. And um, it would be a tie between Mount Cook and Milford Sound. Yeah. Because they're both so incredible, but both very, very different. So, yeah. yeah. So what's your most memorable experience that you've had uh, in photography? I guess, oh, there's a couple I took a trip up to um, this place called Chancellor Hut. So it looks over the Fox Glacier. So you stay in this little teeny-weeny red shack thing and you look over the glacier and the mountains in front of you. And I did that with two of my great friends, um, Dan Murray and Jack Burden. And we, we took a helicopter up there and we were surrounded by kias, which is New Zealand's alpine parrot. And they're really cool and they're on the decline. So you're really lucky to see them. So we, yeah, flew up there, um, had an amazing, had the whole light beams I was talking about and nice. um, really beautiful night up there. Um, yeah, Jack did some astro up there and we woke up in the morning and it was a beautiful sunrise. And yeah, it was just, and we had been trying for three years to do that. Yeah. So it was finally, we got to do it and it was pretty amazing. And um, yeah. And then I guess the other one would be, um, yeah, my partner and I did the root burn track this year. And the first time I did it, it rained the entire time. So um this time we did it and it was so beautiful the weather was just perfect the whole time and um although it was hard going it was um just a cool experience and he'd never done great walk before so um yeah it was yeah it was really cool so yeah i guess those two stand out yeah fair enough With, with the um huts over there in New Zealand I'm not sure if they work the same way as they do here and probably for some of the overseas listeners they 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 may not have experienced these sorts of things do you have to book ahead or is it just something that you can turn up I mean they're they're originally built as shelters for hikers and skiers and so forth some of the remote areas in in the alpine areas in uh, both New Zealand and also uh, a few here in Australia. Um, yeah, so how, yeah. how do they work in New Zealand? Um, so during, so we have seasons. So um, on the off-peak season, which is during winter, um, you don't have to book 
mm-hmm. um, I'm, t- I'm talking about the great walk cuts. You don't have yeah. to book. It's a first in, first served kind of thing. Um, but then during the on season, um, the tickets sell out. So it's usually in June that Doc released the tickets for the Great Walk Huts. Yeah. Right. And they normally sell out within 24 hours. And that's most of the, the Great Walks. So you've got to like know <laughs> when they're dropping. Or um, of course, there's cancellations and stuff, and you can check, but you definitely need to be booked and to have paid. Um, for the not the not great walks, um, it's a bit of a mix. So it's either first in, first served, or yep. you need to book. It just depends on what hut it is. Um, but, yeah, you either, like, um, there's one in Taranaki where I'm not sure if it's the same anymore, but you paid $5 down at the office. Yeah. And then first in, first served. I've slept on the floor, like, two or three times because I arrived late yeah you know like no bunks left no so yeah it just pays I mean the doc which is department of conservation their website is a really good place um, for anyone listening to go and have a look cool yeah thank you for that what have you learned about the world through photography I don't know. I guess there are a lot of passionate people out there who love the outdoors. Yeah, I've connected with some pretty awesome people who, yeah, just really appreciate nature and what we're all trying to do here. And, um, yeah, it's definitely opened up a world that I probably didn't see being in the corporate corporate world for so long. And, um yeah just some really great people out there that you know you just connect with so it's been really cool and um culturally um myself learning about new zealand more mm-hmm. about these places i'm going to the the maori history behind them um and you know like respecting that culture when you go onto a site and that kind of thing that's been really cool and to the countries i've visited overseas so yeah yeah. have you noticed uh you know in terms of the the environmental impact of lots of people you know obviously during covid uh you've probably had um some of you you heavily trafficked areas get a little bit of a respite that uh they can recover a bit but um yeah, you know, were you noticing over those years from where you sort of started to do some of these trips to just before COVID that, you know, some of them were starting to get, you know, erosion or, you know, just, just the impact of so many people uh, heading there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's especially in the alpine areas, it's um, just those plants take, you know, 20 or 30 years to grow to such a tiny little size it's um you definitely notice when someone's trod on them and um yeah just the i mean it was getting ridiculous before covid in new zealand anyway for um tourists coming and going to all the spots yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 but um yeah it was just um it was just getting a little bit crazy with all the popular spots. So, 
Um, I mean, they had to end up the Church of the Good Shepherd, which is a really popular little church yeah, in Tekapo yeah. that's had to have a fence put around it. And, um, yeah, there's definitely been some changes. Um, one of the mountain towns at Mount Taranaki, that's had a boardwalk put around it. When I kind of first went there, it was just, you know, it was just there. And yeah, yeah. so I guess trying to protect that alpine environment being quite important. Yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, some of those places are, you know, the environment's very delicate, as you said, you know. Yeah. For, you know, plant to grow to three inches high. and Totally. You know, some people I think don't recognise that, and you know, don't don't take care no. when they're stepping, or don't take care when they're, uh, you know, they don't yeah. stay on the track, the defined track. You know, just yeah. get the shot for the gram. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tasmania was very much like that. The plants in Tasmania were incredible, and you know, they've been growing for hundreds of years, and they're still. Yeah, well, most of the, the overland track down there has uh, been boardwalked now for quite some years. Yeah. Simply because yeah. of that, that problem where yeah. originally it was just a the, the, the dirt track sort of cut through the vegetation, which was yes. you know, done largely by national parks, which is, you know, fine. They know what they're doing. They're, they're, they were the custodians yeah. of the, the place. But, um, yeah, it was just people going off the off the track and so forth mm. that just led to them ending up putting boardwalks in. And, yeah, so. You know, yeah, it, it, in a lot of ways it frustrates me, it makes me mad, but I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, me too, yeah. So where, where do you think uh, things are going with photography in particular, but, you know, with social media and uh, and so forth? So, you know, that, that growth in social media attraction to some of these locations, I, mm. I don't know that there's any way that you can sort of stop it, but how do you how do you see that progressing, you know, post, particularly in a post-COVID world? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I'm guessing everyone, in New Zealand anyway, everyone is going to come back and... Um, uh, I I think we may be a little bit more prepared for it now. As yeah. um, before COVID, it was starting to get recognised that there was a bit of a problem happening. Um, I can only see it getting busier and busier. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any way we can stop, stop it from happening. Yeah. So I guess we've just got to... Um, just try and look after it as best we can and try and put right, out a good message. Yeah. 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 For sure. So when you're in the field, what sort of routine are you taking, you know, when, when you get there? Is it okay, that that's the shot? Or are you looking around hunting, working different comps, or are you sort of, you know, scrambling? <laughs> scrambling around or, or are you going okay well this was the concept shot i'll start there and move on from there oh honestly i always think i'm going to turn up and get the concept shot but then there's like some big light beam happening like the other way yeah it's always it's in the just office always a, yeah <laughs> so i feel like it's i'm always scrambling like, yeah. like i feel like that's what it is because also turning up, you know, 
planning to turn up an hour before um, and often do turn up an hour before, but the light's like super beautiful and then or there's a cloud there and you know the sun's going to disappear in like yeah. a few seconds. So I feel like I'm always running and putting my tripod somewhere and filling around with filters and yeah um but sun for some reason sunrise seems to be better for me and that um i've normally scouted the place the night before yeah right. and then so i've done the scrambling the night before <laughs> and then i've <laughs> gone back for sunrise and know what i'm doing um there's usually less wind and yeah it's um i i find it a bit easier at sunrise even though it's harder to get up wake up but yeah yeah i so a bit of both i think a bit of mad scrambling and then a bit of more structured i seen what i want to shoot yeah and um and go for that so you're trying to uh you know i guess just looking at your style of shooting are you trying to um uh do everything in camera as much as possible in in the one exposure or are you doing multiple exposures for blending later or a mix um well i i've had the 5d mark four for quite a few years so um i was doing a bit of both i was doing a bit of bracketing um for the dynamic range so um a bit a little bit of that but then also for a long exposure um yeah, it's pretty much all in camera. It's using the filters and yeah, right. um, yeah trying to do it that way. Uh, but I just got the R5, the Canon R5, the mirrorless. So I haven't really had to bracket too much with it. Yeah, the dynamic it's a bit range different. Is, uh, quite, quite a bit better than the DSLR. Yeah. I'm yeah. Still, uh, fiddling with bracketing on the on on the 6D, and I've got my eye on the the R5 as the the next step. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just I don't know. <laughs> I'm just just tossing it up at the moment. <laughs> I was like that for I was honestly like that for a couple of years, and then I finally did it. And yeah. oh, the the difference is night and day. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I had done it before, and, okay. but obviously the price is a factor. Yeah, that, 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 that's one of the factors. Yeah, going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tell you, it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what about uh, processing? I mean, you've you've got the shot in the in the camera. You know, however it is, are you straight home and onto the computer or? Have you got a laptop or a, a, an iPad in the, in the field and you're uploading them and, you know, examining them for what what what's a keeper and what's not? Or do you just sort of leave it a little longer and, you know, take your time with with, with getting into the processing? Obviously, um, obviously, for your personal work, if you've got a deadline, yeah. I, know, I know what that's oh, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I am so um, do not look at them. Uh, for as long as I can okay. <laughs> pretty much yeah no nah, I am not I just I can't go and look at them on the same day yeah, and right. then um yeah I would say maybe even a week I would um yeah I, I would put them on the computer just to have them safe mm. but um actually looking at them properly 
I might do a skim through a couple of days later. Um, and I also have this crazy thing where I can't take too many photos because it stresses me out too much. So, <laughs> yeah. So I like, I don't shoot very many photos. Um, yeah. uh, and it's gotten worse doing, over time. You don't want to start doing surf action photography no. then. I, oh my gosh, I, no. I did a little bit of that the other day and I came home with about 400 more shots than I need. But. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, so um, no, I'm one that's, uh, I can't look at them straight away and then I'll only work on one uh, and then maybe I'll, the next week I'll work on another one. Yeah, yeah. Um, for my own personal shots. There's still shots that I've I've not looked at from last year, so. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I, um, I I think it's amazing that people can take photos and sit down and edit them straight away. I'm like, so I admire that a lot. It's just not in my brain capacity <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Fair enough. So when, yeah. when, when you do sit down, so what, what does the process look like? Are you, are you doing the... The, the cull for the, that's a keeper that's not um you know when when you get into that processing mode or are you um have you done that previously and you you know which one you're going to work on um no well, most of the time so i'll go through and i just flag the ones that stand out to me Yep. So I don't have a system of starring or anything like that. I just flag the ones that I know are good ones. Um, and then I guess I just start with my favorite one out of all out of the location I've been to. So yep. not the whole trip, but that particular location. And um, yeah, and so I use Lightroom to catalog all my photos oh. and to start off with. Um, editing so I will normally just try and um, get the exposure right just all those global adjustments I'll do in Lightroom and then I'll bring it into Photoshop and do a little bit more of the detailed um, adjustments like dodging and burning and um, yeah, yeah any selective edits yeah selective edits and colors and stuff I do that and then yeah, export it back yeah. into Lightroom. Do you think you do anything different to anyone else in terms of, you know, that you're trying to put your unique spin on it? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, I guess not, not many I people. I don't think so. I do that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I don't think so. I think, like, just working with Dan and Lee and um, how we teach, even yep. though we're all very different, we do a lot of the things the same. So um, I guess it's just our own personal taste as to what colours we like. How far to push. Yeah. yeah, how far to push the whites or bring the blacks or down or up or contrast. Yeah. You know, we're all, yeah, but we all run through the same process pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So what about printing? You mentioned that you sell prints. Do you print yourself or do you use a service? No, I use a um, local service here in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what sort of steps are you going through for preparing uh, for, for printing? Um, obviously, 
you know, that relationship with the printer and the conversation that you have about getting a good result is is really important. But, you know, what, what are the things, I guess, that people new to, you know, printing large format or, you know, even smaller format, but, you know, printing their work uh, need to think about? Um, definitely need to check the file, like blow it up to 150 mm-hmm. and scroll through that thing up and down to make sure that there's no dust spots yeah. and there's no hot pixels and there's nothing hiding in there that shouldn't be like a blurry person or, you know, like um, I, learned, I, I learned that the hard way. So <laughs> that's my first thing I do when I, um, yeah, when I get a print. Or if it's not one I've worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, and then um no, I just have a good system. Um just make sure you're yeah, obviously the file is a good file too. Um yeah, yeah you don't wanna um be trying to work with a file that's um, you know, got noise or or you know, like it just doesn't look good yeah. not bigger. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just send my files to my printer and he sends them back to me and I sign them. So I sign all my fine uh, prints. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then um, my canvases, though, I they get sent direct from the canvas maker to the person, so I don't actually get to see them. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's pretty – I've been doing it for quite a few years now, so – quite streamlined yeah Yeah, what do you say is the biggest challenge facing photography right now video (laughs) (laughs) instagram (laughs) um i guess i mean i feel like there's a, a lot more saturation in the market now Mm. than even 10 years ago. I mean, I, I consider myself still pretty new to it. I've only been doing it um, not even a decade. So, yeah, um, but I've noticed there's been a huge difference with phone cameras and, um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, so I guess it is getting um, saturated, but I don't know if that's a bad thing because... There's so many great photographers out there. So, yeah, it's probably a good thing, actually. Um, Yeah. um, I don't know. The trend is video and the trend is these short clips. And, you know, I've got kids and um, it's all about the shorts. Yeah. They call them the short clips. And, um, yeah, I guess the standalone shots are maybe not as popular anymore mm. so um but i think there'll always be a place for photography both film and digital photography and now artists are, i mean they've been doing it for years but artists are um you know turning photos into 3d with yeah, you know yeah. there's this all these things evolving as well from photography which is pretty awesome so a blending of computer graphics and uh and video yeah and video and photos and 
Yeah, and artwork. Um, and yeah, I think the, the digital art, art, artistic side of it is is quite interesting. And, and I notice a, a lot of what probably would have been termed photographers in the past have uh, started calling them yeah. artists as opposed to yeah. photographers. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, I guess it's just all evolving. Yeah. Where, where do you think things are going with things like AI and, um, you know, the, the, the ability to change the essence of an image using yeah. AI or even AI creating its own photography? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's just a new thing all on its own. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's still photography, but I don't know if you can call it that because it, it is more like digital art kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like, I mean, gosh, some of the things that have been created are pretty incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I, I quite admire the, uh, the, the, the question I'd, I'd have in terms of AI generated stuff is, who's who is the creator is it the software engineer mm. that code is it the computer that it sits on but that's that's not a human so therefore legally can't own anything um or is no. it the guy that pushes the buttons to say all right i i, I want you to create image x you know i know <laughs> I, I don't know who it is <laughs> yeah i don't know like I mean, I would kind of think it's the person who wrote the code, but um, but then you need the other two. So I, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's a really hard one to yeah. try and. That, that, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, obviously, the the computer's not going to sue anyone, at least not not this <laughs> year or next year. But uh, you know, yeah, maybe once uh, our our uh, robot overlords have taken over, they 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 might be suing humans. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I just find it fascinating seeing what's happening, um, but I, I can also see some things that I kind of go, yeah. Is is it photography? Yeah. Is it is it just digital art? You know, it's it's hard to to, and I guess it, it's it comes kind of back to the the. Um, question around composites and editing or you know yeah. adding things as opposed to you know subtraction using cloning and even some of the cloning activities that people do you know where they're taking things that should be there and moving them around or whatever but yeah 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 you know where where does digital art end and photography begin or vice versa mm, it's a good question yeah not yeah. like I've got an answer to, but <laughs> me neither. <laughs> so, have you ever hit a creative wall? Yeah, um, just hard to explain, really. But I think sometimes things get so much yeah. that you either lose the passion a little bit, or lose ideas, or you just feel like nothing's working. Your mm -hmm. edits aren't working. Yeah, I've definitely. Yeah, I go through these stages of not liking anything I've done and yep. thinking I'm not good enough. And, um, yeah, it's that battle I think we all have where we, yeah, we kind of feel good and then we 
don't feel good and okay. yeah how, how, how do you have have you handled that in the past what have, what have you done to sort of drag yourself out of the out of the pit um just probably go to somewhere epic <laughs> and like take a new photo so for you, yeah. Just yeah, 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 just McDonald's. No. Um, no, it's it's usually been being stuck in that rut and then going to somewhere, going on a trip somewhere and it being yeah. amazing is being like, yes, this is why I do this. Yeah, it's always nature that brings me back around. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. What's your favourite thing about being a photographer? Oh, going to all these amazing places that okay. I don't know if I would go to, um, you know, if I had not gotten to photography. Mm -hmm. I liked to travel. I love to travel and meet and learn about new cultures. But and I and I did like to hike a lot too. But um, I probably wouldn't extend myself to go to these really amazing far fetched places. Yeah, yeah. So. It's definitely been seeing these things that you're just like, wow, what is this? Wow. Yeah. It's, that's been the most fun part for sure. Yeah. What's your least favourite thing? Oh, my least favourite thing. Um, no sleep. Um, there's <laughs> sleepless, honestly, some of the trips we've done, it's been like seven days of no sleep. You just... Yeah crazy by the end of it and i guess um just those trips when nothing works too yeah, it yeah. can be a bit like um i came to australia a couple of years ago and it just kind of rained the whole time and uh, oh, it's, um, unfortunately it's still raining <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just those trips where you're like you've got all these ideas and all these plans and nothing works out i guess yeah. that's a bit of a bummer yeah, yeah definitely I know yeah. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> if you weren't a photographer, what would you be? Oh, I don't know where my path would have taken me. I mean, if I had the choice to be something to do with music or art, mm -hmm. um, if I was good at singing, like in a in a in a dreamland state, um, <laughs> I would love to be a singer. <laughs> you do karaoke. Um, or, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but I played the piano and the guitar and, yeah, so I guess if if it all worked out, I would love to have something to do with music. Um, yeah. And I've always loved art, so it would be working in a gallery or having, you know, okay. yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, along those lines, that would be if I didn't have photography and I got the choice, I would do something like that, I think. Cool. Yeah. What do you like to do when you're not out shooting? Oh, um, we've got a little van, so we go traveling. Um, awesome. Yeah, we love like the beach, the coast, because that's what the North Island's kind of all about is all the beaches. And um, I've surfed since I was like a little kid, so um that the ocean's like a really huge part of my life so yeah. yeah and we love to go hiking and um fine we're a bit like nature nerds trees and birds and yeah 
really cool. love doing that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. So are there any photographers out there that you think I should be talking to? Well, I've got to say um, Dan Murray and yeah. Lee Cook. Um, yeah. Lee will probably, he doesn't like to talk very much, but um, both of them. Wrinkle something out of him then. Yeah. And um, Jack Burden as well. Yeah, right. um, they are incredible astrophotographers, um, Jack and Lee. And um, Dan, I mean, he's been doing this since film as well. Yeah. And so, um, and he's hiked all through New Zealand. And um, those are the ones that, that come to mind. Yeah. yeah. That would be those are Kiwis, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fine. Uh, they're on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I've got one more question for you, and it's uh, probably the most important one I can ask you. Okay. Do you like pineapple on pizza? Yes. <laughs> why, why is it? I do, and, and I'm probably in, like, the wrong camp. But I don't know. Well, no, with me, I'm I'm in neutral. I if it's there, I'll eat yeah. it. If it's not, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I do, I really do. I think it kind of adds something. <laughs> if you had said spaghetti on pizza, though, I'd oh be no, like, that, uh, no, that's, that's, that's a step too far. <laughs> that is a hell no. <laughs> oh dear. I was I was talking to uh, Jenna Dixon recently, and. Um, we we had this question, and uh, I was telling her about the uh, the hamburger with the lot here in Australia, where you get pineapple and beetroot as well as the, the oh, burger yeah. patty and bacon and eggs and everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think we have that here too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they're, they're my, that's my favourite burger anyway. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we have that at the chip shop. You can get the pineapple <laughs> and beetroot and egg and ham and yeah. whatever else the worst yeah. yeah it's the only way to eat a burger <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's been absolutely marvelous uh spending some time with you rach um where can people find your work um so my website is uh rachstuartphotography.com Mm -hmm. And my Instagram and Facebook, Rach Stewart NZ. And then my Twitter, Rach Stewart underscore NZ. Too easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much for having me. It's, oh, it's been, been, awesome. been a pleasure. Thank you uh, for taking the time. It's uh, It's been really wonderful uh, catching up with you. I know it's taken a, a couple of attempts. We've uh, uh, not <laughs> been missing each other schedule-wise, so. Yeah, it was great to finally get there. doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps me out of trouble. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Rach. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. Also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon.